0: Good morning. Good morning. We, on, we are on part five of Fireproof, Your Relationships. And you know we're leading up to the movie Popcorn Night, uh, which will be at Believers Fellowship on Good Friday. And I want you to make sure you invite your friends, relatives, neighbors, you know, those who are... Um, Saved, not yet saved. Anyone who really wants to enjoy a night out and improve their relationships. We've been talking about, on the last two messages, God's blueprint for marriage. Because we think that's the most important relationship that you can fireproof on this earth. We're speaking of humanly. We're not speaking of our relationship with Jesus Christ. We're speaking of humanly. It's the most important relationship. God has ordained it to be so. What summarizes God's blueprint for marriage? Well, a wife's responsibility is summarized as voluntary submission to her own husband. And this is in the present imperative, which means that it's a continuous, repeated action. It's not a one-time thing. And a wife's model for this submission is the church to his head, Jesus Christ. The husband's special duty is summarized as loving his own wife. It's also in the present imperative, which means it's continuous and repeated action. It's not a one-time thing. And the husband's model of love is Christ to the church. Let's look at Ephesians 5.25. It says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. That's the where we left off at and where we want to really pick up at this particular message. Let's turn to 1 Peter 2, 12. Husbands, love your wife, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. Let's look at unpacking that and find out what do you mean by what you said. I know you love the church, Lord, but give me some more specifics in this thing because uh, you're God, and I'm I'm just, I'm I'm in this flesh here, and uh, maybe I, you know, I don't think I should be able to do all that you did, God, because you are all God, but he says I was all man also, so you can do it because you have my spirit within you. So what are some unpacking of that means in verse 12 it says keep your behavior excellent among the gentiles and we will say among the not yet saved now so that in a thing in which they slander you as evildoers they may because of your good deeds as they observe them glorify god in a day of your day of visitation now that's the basics of what we will Reading here, that's the basis of what God is asking us to do uh, as husbands and also as wives. We need to let our behavior be such as others can see what we are doing and they can glorify God. They can do that. And even if they slander us, even if they don't think we're doing uh, what they think we should be doing, because they're operating in a different system, they're in the world system, and we're in. Uh, the kingdom of God, so it's a different system. But on a day of visitation, they're going to see. Oh, my goodness, I see. I remember my next-door neighbor. I remember my coworker at work. I remember, you know, they were talking to me. I remember seeing them. I thought it was odd. I thought it was ignorant to, to be doing that, but I see now. Oh, the day of visitation. Let's go a little bit further. What does that mean? Let your behavior be excellent among the not yet saved or the Gentiles, it says here. Verse 13. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake. That is very important. For the Lord's sake. He's not talking to women here. He's not talking to men here. He's talking to everybody here. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it's the king, as the one in authority, or the governors as sent by him. And we can say it doesn't matter whether it's our supervisors at work. It doesn't matter whether it's our employers. It doesn't matter whether it's our parents. It doesn't matter whether uh, it's the leaders of the church. It doesn't matter whether it's the policemen. It doesn't matter about who they are, the president. It doesn't matter about who they are. For the Lord's sake, I'm going to submit myself to the ordinances of, uh, of, of God because they are sent by God as long as they're not asking me to send. That's what he's talking about. Verse 15, for such is the will of God that by doing right you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. So God wants us to be pleasing in his sight. And by being pleased, he says that I want you to do what I asked you to do for my sake. Do what's right. That's going to silence the ignorant and foolish men. He said, act as free men and do not use your freedom as a cover for evil, but use, but use it as a bond slave of the Lord. See, we're all bond servants of the Lord. So he's asking us, I don't care if you're free, I want you to act as your bond servant of me because I bought you with a price, the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Honor all people. I don't care who they are. Honor all people. We're supposed to be honoring people. Love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the King. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, I I understand that, but God, come on, talk to him a little bit more. I I want to see how how the church is to Christ. I want to see how Christ is to the church. What do you mean? He goes a little further. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and gentle. That's important now. Let's read that again. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. Now, that's very important. Even though they are talking about slaves and and servants and masters, here we're talking about how does God expect us as men as husbands, and as those single men, to be practicing being like him. How, what does it mean? This is one key. This is a key. Jesus Christ, no matter what the church is like, what, no matter what the church was like before he saved this church, before he died for the church, it really doesn't matter. He says that I'm overlooking their Unsubmissiveness. I'm, 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 I'm really, really overlooking all of their rebellion. I'm overlooking those things even though they are unreasonable because then a reasonable person will know if you die for them, you ought to be appreciative. He said, I'm overlooking that. I'm going to die for them anyway. Is that a key for us as husbands? Is that a key for us for, for men, single men practicing because one day, We're going to probably get married. We might want to get married. Is that something we should be practicing? Loving our wives. Loving those who are over us. Regardless of whether it's our parents. Regardless of whether it's our employers. Loving them. Even those who are unreasonable. We'll still treat them with great respect. Is that something that God wants us to do? Can we practice that? Verse 19. For this finds favor. What finds favor? What I just said or what you're getting ready to say? What finds favor? If for the sake of conscience towards God, a person bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly. That finds favor with God. When we're bearing up under harsh treatment, when we burn up suffering unjustly, this finds favor with God. So men and for women, for all we start off saying, he's talking to everybody. it finds favor, if you are treated unjustly on your work, at your workplace, if you're treated unjustly, in your relationships with your siblings, if you're treated unjustly in your relationship with your parents, if you're treated unjustly with your relationship with your mate, it really doesn't matter who that relationship is with as long as it's godly. It finds favor if for conscience sake you bear up under it even if you're treated unjustly. And see, you remember one of our principles? We said there are no, you have no rights outside of Christ. And see, so we'll say, well, I have a right to be treated with respect because if God said that, that honor all, you're not honoring me. Well, yes, he said you should honor all. But in fact, everyone doesn't honor all. So what are you going to do? Are we going to say an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth? Are we going to say, well, just because you are not following the word doesn't mean that I don't have to follow the word. God is not holding you know, uh, he's not releasing me for my duty just because you're not doing yours. So regardless of what they do, I should do what God tells me to do. And that means I'm going to suffer. For what credit, is verse 20, is there if when you sin and you are harshly treated, you endure it with patience? There's no credit. But if when you do what is right and suffer for it, you patiently endure it, this finds favor of God. My goodness. Do you understand a little bit what God is saying here? Do you understand that God is, is holding us to a different standard? His standard is not uh, a standard that's real low. His standard is real high. Real high. And he says that you can achieve to that standard because we have the Holy Spirit within us. We can't achieve to that status, you know, that standard, if we're doing it on our own, you know, flesh, our own will, our own way. We can't do it. It has to be through the Holy Spirit. He has power. And he can do it. Verse 2 For you have been called for this purpose. My goodness, he is really—he is really laying this thing out on the line. I mean, it is plain here. He's not—he's not, he's not leaving, leaving anything to our imagination. He's saying, "You have been called for this purpose. What purpose are we called? To suffer unjustly, bear up under for the conscience sake towards God, bear up under." You mean I got to? You mean I have to? I have to take this punishment. I mean, I just can't quit work and, and just get another job. You mean? You mean you tell me when things not going right in, in my relationship, I got to stay married. I mean, I can't just leave this woman. She can't. Oh, this this man. You mean I, I just got to stay in this thing? I'm not the one that's wrong. They're wrong. What is he saying? Oh. I don't think he's saying that relationships are easy to break. I don't think he's saying that. I think he's saying that we're going to use relationships to help mold you into the character of Christ. And these relationships that you're going to be in, and that you're already in, you will not achieve the purpose of God if every time you're in a relationship, that doesn't go well for you, you want to break it. Like in a relationship. Now, we're talking about godly relationships. Now, it's godly for you to work. Is that correct? It's godly for you to, you know, uh, have brothers and sisters. That's godly. You know? It's godly for you to uh, marriage is on honor, to be honored by all. So marriage is honorable. We're talking about those type of relationships. We're talking about, not talking about some soul ties, some, some relationship, you're in, in an ungodly relationship. We're not talking about that. And you would know that from Genesis of Revelation. We're not talking about sin. It's very important for us to realize that we need to fireproof our relationships rather than breaking relationships. And see, the world system says the opposite. Don't worry about it. You don't need fire insurance. You don't need to have fireproof your relationship. If it doesn't go well, then break it. Get in another one. If that doesn't go well, get in another one. That's what the world does. We see it all around. That's not what God is saying here. Why is it not saying that? Since Christ... Also suffered for you, this is still verse 21, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. So in other words, whatever we read, we'll sing with our ears as we're reading it. We can visualize it, word pictures, and we can say, oh, oh, he didn't just break relationships. He endured relationships. He endured when they were against him. He endured when his disciples decided that they were going to leave because he was speaking some hard things. Eat my flesh, drink my blood. It was a hard saying. So they left except 12. He didn't go after them and chase them down. So, I, you know, I, 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 I really didn't mean that I should have been, you know, more sensitive to your needs. You know? He didn't do that. See, he who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth, and while being reviled, he did not revile in return, while suffering, he uttered no threats. But keep, he kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. That's what we need to do. We need to trust entrust ourselves to him who judges righteously. If you got, if, if you can hear from God enough to get in a relationship, you ought to be able to read the Bible and understand it enough to stay in it. Do you hear what I'm saying? We're talking about the blueprint, God's blueprint for marriage, not the world's blueprint. God's blueprint for marriage. see people tell me all, all the time, you know, well uh, you know, I was led, you know, you know it was a God it was a God thing, you know, or was it? Okay? I want to see 30, 40 years later, is it still a God thing? Don't tell me, well, you know, um, I hear from God and God told me to leave, you know? <laughs> No, my word doesn't tell me that. My word doesn't tell me that. So, you remember I say, make sure, make sure that you, before you get into, into a serious relationship, make sure you pass it by those who have a spiritual side of your soul, whether it, your parents, your, you know, those who are in the church, your elders and things like that, Passing by your friends, you know. Uh, you know, do everything you can do, find out about their family, about their parents, about, you know, how many broken relationships they have in their family. You know, if you find out that their family, everybody in their family has been divorced, you know, then you, you might need to, you know, uh, break some strongholds, you know, do some things there, you know, break some bloodline curses or something. You need to do something before you just jump into this relationship because this person already has a history of broken relationships. And he's seen it. They've seen it. God is good, isn't he? I'm trying to help us to change some things. See, uh, here are just a few statistics. It said the divorce rate in America for first marriages versus second and third marriages 50% of first marriages, that's a divorce rate, 50% of first marriages. Six to seven percent of second marriages, seven to four percent of third marriages end in divorce, according to Jennifer Baker of the Forrest Institute of Professional Psychology in Springfield, Missouri. And that tells me if you don't get it right the first time, you know, you, you, you best find out what, what was wrong with you and what was wrong with the situation so you can correct it before you jump in another Do you hear what I'm saying? Don't just automatically think that, well, this did not work out, I'll get into this one, because this person, they are so sweet, they're not like the other one, you know. <laughs> Everybody's sweet, you know, <laughs> when they see something they want, you know. But when they have it, then all the sweetness seems like, so, oh, my goodness gracious, what happened to all this, this, this you know, <laughs> my goodness. Come on, women, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? What happened to all this stuff, man, I mean, you know. You used to get flowers. You said, "Man, you couldn't get your my, man." My goodness gracious! You said, "Man, I was an apple." Your my goodness gracious! What happened to this thing? You know. You had to know the difference between males and females. Males go hunting. You know, for the kill. You know, once they get it, they go put it on a on a, on a manor. You know, and look at it. You know, I killed it. You know, <laughs> see. Women are like that, see? I thought you loved me. I do, sweetheart. Why do you think I married you? I love you. Why don't you spend time with me? I'm tired. I go to work. You know, I love you. Believe me when I say it. According to the Enrichment Journal on the Divorce Rate in America, the Divorce Rate in America for First Marriages Is 41%. Divorce rate in America for second marriage is 60%. Divorce rate in America for third marriage is 73%. It said 8.1% of couples, coupled households, that could mean a lot of different things, consist of unmarried heterosexual partners. So of all the people married, 8.1% of them, uh, they're unmarried, but they're living together. And it says that the same study said that only 63% of American children grow up with both biological parents. It's the lowest figure in the Western world, America. Now, I read that so that you'll know what I'm saying is true. The word stands for... It's going to stand forever. And what God says is true. It really is. All we have to do is just obey it. So when you're looking for a relationship, a serious relationship, make sure that person is sold out to God and not you. Do you hear what I'm saying? Because if they're sold out to God, they're going to treat you right. They're going to tell you they love you. Yes, but you're not looking for you're not looking for those words. You know, you you're looking for the love of God. That's what you're looking for. I love God. That's what you're looking for. That's what you want to hear. I'm telling you. A person can tell you they love you all they want to love you, but if they don't love God, the love for you, not going to be what God's love for you is, and that's what His pattern is supposed to be like. Let's go a little further. Verse 24, And he himself bore our sins in his own body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness, for by his wounds you were healed, for you were a continuous uh, strand like sheep. But now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your soul. Verse 7 of chapter 3 says, You husbands, In the same way. In what same way? Well, we skipped over chapter 3, verse 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. So it's talking about that. Well, I started in chapter 2, and I started with verse you know, 12 because it's talking about that. Because, see, verse 1 of chapter 3 says, in the same way, your wives. We're just skipping over the wives' responsibility right now, and we're talking about the men right now because the men... Uh, the, big, the, the, the majority of the weight of the relationship lay, lays on the man. Do you hear what I'm saying? So women, when you're looking for a man, what are you supposed to look for? Somebody who's, who can carry some weight, some spiritual weight. Do you hear what I'm saying? Because he's going to have to carry the weight of the relationship. I know it doesn't sound good uh, to us as men, you know. We want to be equal, equal. But God doesn't say it's equal, equal. Because God carries the bulk of the relationship and our relationship between the church and Him. He carries the bulk of the responsibility. Doesn't He? He carries us when we can't carry ourselves. He carries us when we don't want to be carried. He carries us when we are messing up. He carries us because He loves us. He carries us. He cares for us, but He carries us. And he's telling men to do the same thing for the, your wife. You know? Yeah, but she's so emotional, you know. She tells me one thing and then, you know, a week later, I do the same thing and then she's mad at me, you know. I do, I, all I did is what she told me two weeks ago. That's what she wanted. I, 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 I do that and then she's mad at me. What's wrong, God, with this woman? There's nothing wrong with the woman. Nothing. God made woman, women just the way he wanted to make them. He really did. And we're supposed to uh, represent him and bring this woman up like he's told us to. In inertia, in ammunition, cherishing her, nourishing her. We're supposed to do that. See, because we're supposed to represent Christ. Let's go a little further. Let me tell you what I'm saying. You husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way. Do you hear what I'm saying? In an understand, that means you've got to have some practical knowledge. Do you hear what I'm saying? you got to have some practical knowledge of the woman you're with. you got to have some practical knowledge of your mother. No. Because you've got to live with your mother when you're growing up. Talking to the teens. As with someone weaker. you got to use discretion. And understanding means knowledge, discretion, prudence. And it means all those things. You got to live with them in an understanding way. You got to understand what makes women tick. You know, and the Bible tells us, really does. And if you don't have understanding, you're gonna mess up more than you get it right, man. Believe me. Do you believe me? You better believe me. You know, I've been, I've been married. 39 years come July, and so that means that I know how to mess up. <laughs> I do, but I know how to get it right too, you know. Do you understand what I'm saying? In other words, experience is a great teacher. Somebody been married one or two years and say, hey, let me teach you on marriage. My goodness gracious, you know. <laughs> I praise God for my my wife, Minerva. Um, she is a, a godly woman, and and I'm gonna tell you that um, not too many. Now I don't know I don't know anybody besides my mother could have put up with me. Besides, besides my wife, I'm serious. You know, I'm serious. She, she's really, she's really. Um, God knew what He was doing when He gave me her, cause He knew what I needed. And, and God God knows who you need, doesn't he? He knows who you need. And, and it's gonna, it, your wife is going to teach you things, men, that you need to know about women. She'll teach you. If you will listen and if you will receive it, they'll teach you. you know? And it's not easy receiving from your wife uh, because... You know, it's just one of those things. You know, um, we think that she's just on our case, but it's not that way. She really loves you, and so she's going to teach you some things. You know what I mean, don't you, Steve? Yeah, he knows what I mean. You know, he's been in he's been in a little while too. You know, and I, I know you know. Our people who've been married, how many have been married in here forty years? Raise your hand. Okay. I've been married 40 years yet. Am I old or just, I mean, y'all not getting it right. (laughs) Which is it? Oh, I know Lee and Jan, they were here uh, for the the, um, praise time, and I know they've they've been married, I think, 40 years or something like that. My mentor, he's been married, I think, uh, 40, maybe 46 years or something like that because he married Nan when she was 16. I think he was 21, something like that. Uh, and they're 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 going strong, you know? They really are. That's the kind of examples you want, isn't it? Let's go back to the weaker side. So I was trying to I was trying to get over that. But I'll, I think we're gonna to have to talk about it. As with the weaker, as with with someone weaker. Wives are women are weaker than men. And wives are weaker than the husbands now i know some women can arm wrestle and beat the man i know that <laughs> and before and then before kids get older old enough before the men get old enough the boys uh girls can outrun them can out wrestle them you know can out fight them you know um but once they grow up you know uh, and get get to be a little bit of age on them you know 12 13 14 you know then uh, women, women, God didn't build women to have six packs. He, he really didn't, you know. Now, you know, be in the weight room and and you know develop some biceps and triceps and hamstring, quadriceps. You know, uh, he he didn't do that, you know, because women are women. You see, they're they're weaker physically, uh, and then they can endure more than men can physically, um, because. To bear children, I know that all of us, you wouldn't have no men around. We'd all be dead. (laughs) We'd all be dead, you know, but um, so they are strong in that way also. But if no other way women are weaker, they're weaker in their position in 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 a marriage. Women have their weaker position, do you know that? Because women are supposed to be submissive to their husbands. That's a weaker position. Anytime, and if you, you think I'm lying, and, and just go take the next relationship, uh, your employer, employee. Who's in a weaker position? The employer or the employee? It's got to be an employee because the employ, employer tells the person what to do. Whether they want to do it or not, they want to keep their job, they're going to do it. You know? It's a weaker position. Okay. But we're supposed to do that with women, I understand that they are in a weaker position. And it says that since she is a woman and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life. This means that, that just because you have a, a stronger position, men, it might be stronger physically, men, you treat that woman as a joint heir of the grace of God because both of you had to come the same way. Everybody has to come the same way, through Jesus Christ. They are not inferior in any way, form, or fashion as far as salvation of their souls. We're all one. We're all the same before Jesus Christ. There's neither male or female, Jew or Gentile. We're all the same, free or bond. Do you understand that? So that your prayers will not be hindered. I believe we as men hinder a lot of our prayer. Pray- prayers because we don't honor our wives we don't respect her we don't esteem her we don't reverence her you know you know the the anybody who's the president of the united states they call his wife who the first lady and that's how we should all be treating our wives man as a first lady not a second and our job is a first lady Our wives should be the first lady. Do you hear what I'm saying? Let's go a little bit further. We want to take a little time and look at this great mystery in the scripture. And this mystery, if you open your uh, scripture to Ephesians 5, 30, I think we want to go to 31 or 32, 31, 32 also. For this reason a man shall leave his father, his mother shall be joined, or King James said, cleave to his wife, and the two become one flesh. This mystery is great. Oh, what do you mean this mystery is great? Because God is called called it a mystery. What is a mystery? See, if he says that for this reason a man shall leave, his father mother shall Cleve will be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a great mystery. It's a great mystery how two people are opposite one another. I mean, you you look at some marriage, you say, man, wow, oh, my goodness gracious. Well, you all just the opposite, you know. One is, one is outgoing, the other one is introverted. Uh, you know, one is very neat, the other one is very, you know, untidy. You know, it's just so many, one is on time, the other one is late all the time. It's just so, 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 you do you know what I'm talking about men and women? You know, we're kind of opposite one another. You say, well, how in the world can we become one flesh? He said, this is a mystery. It's a mystery. But I'm speaking with reference to Christ and the church. He says in verse 32. So, see, he's saying it's, it's really a mystery of how the church and Christ can be one flesh. How can we be one flesh with Christ? How can, we, how can it work? We're so opposite from one another, and He's telling us we we should be conformed to the image of His dear Son. How can we be conformed? We're so opposite. We mean, we we we're in this flesh. He was all God. He was all man. We got the Holy Spirit in us, but how can we do this thing? It's a mystery. When you look at and talking about a mystery, a mystery denotes so. Uh, the dictionary would say, whether it be a spiritual dictionary concordance uh, that you look up the Strong's number, which is thirty-four, sixty-six, and find out what that what what do you mean spiritual about a mystery? It denotes a spiritual truth concealed under an external representation. So, the one flesh between the church and Christ is a mystery because it's concealed. Under the external representation, which God says is a marriage. It's a marriage. We are supposed to be an external representation to reveal to the world the truth that you can become one with God, one spirit with Him. You can be the same as far as when they see you, they see Christ. You can be the same. That's a mystery. And we're supposed to be revealing that mystery to the not yet saved. So our statistics should not be reading what I read. The church's statistics shouldn't be that. The church's statistics should be that 98.9% of the people in the church, their marriage lasts for a lifetime. It's only when, you know, they were unsaved that they have a divorce. But once they got in the church, oh my goodness gracious, that marriage just soars. It should never be a, a, a marriage that ends in a divorce in the church. If you have two people, hear me now, that are following the word of God. That's why uh, uh, you, you must tell these young people, this, these singles, don't marry somebody who's Life does not say, this is my life right here. My life is here with Christ and God. What God says, I believe it. From Jesus' revelation, this is it. Inerrant word of God. And this by grace I'm going to follow. That's the person you're looking for. And you marry that person. Now, I don't care what comes, fire. I don't care what comes. Your marriage will become fireproof because it's based on the word of God. Nothing burns this up. Nothing burns it up. It burns up everything else. And you say, well, I don't know whether we can be one with Christ. I don't. Has he said that? Absolutely. 1 Corinthians 6, 15 through 20 says, do, not, do you not know that your bodies are, the, are members of Christ? Shall I then take A way the members of Christ and make them members of of a prostitute may it never be. Or do you not know that the one who joins himself to a prostitute is one body with her? For he says, "The two shall become one flesh." So anybody you have a relationship with outside of marriage, there's a there's a uh, sexual relationship is uh, is is invalid by the word of God is sin. It said, but the one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. That's what verse 17 says. So if you give your life to Jesus Christ, you are one spirit with him. Do you want to hear what I'm saying? One spirit. So that's a mystery though. How can how can somebody in the flesh, somebody who, who just terrible, 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 you know, until they get saved? And once you get saved, you're still terrible until the grace of God kicks in and you work out that sanctification process through the power of the Holy Spirit. Yes, we are sanctified positionally, but practically, we have to be worked out. You're not, you know, just because you get saved, you don't all of a sudden become, you know, some sweet, good of two-shoes, you know. You have to work on that thing, you know. You have to work on it. That's why you need to be sitting under the Word, I mean the Word of God. Somebody who's not going to sugarcoat it, and you need to also have somebody accountable so that they're going to tell you what the word says and i don't care how much you cry they're going to say this is what the word says now, now you know i mean you can cry all you want to but the word says it. you know i sympathize with you but you you know you got to do what the word says i'm gonna be with you i'm gonna be praying for you you know but well, we're not going to deviate from the word just because what you feel we don't walk by no feelings do we He says, flee immorality, and every other sin that a man commits is is outside the body, but the immoral man sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own, for you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. First John 4.13 says, by this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us the Spirit. We're one. we 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 He's in us. We're we in Him. We're just one. So He says it's a great mystery. That's why I said it in in Ephesians five thirty, one thirty two. Man, leaves his father, and mother, cleave to his wife. They become one flesh. It's a great mystery. He's speaking of the in reference to Christ and the church. It's a challenge to do that. And we have a lot of different tools to do that with. That's why we say, hey, start, you know, trying to do some of the things that's in this book here. You know, go through some of these things because they'll uh they'll challenge you to uh do what we should be doing anyway. Tree now makes like they are number one next to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is number one, but on this earth. As far as human relationships, they are number one. And it helps you to do some things that you don't want to do. You know, It helps men to, to you know do things that they sometimes they don't want to do. Women, it's not, not as hard for them to do that. If we do what we're supposed to do, women tend to respond and, and react to how they are treated. And it's much easier for a wife to be submissive and understanding If we as men, we are acting like Christ to the church. They're they're in a weaker position. They have to submit to us. And so they know that the word says, even to those who are are unreasonable. uh, But it's not easy to submit to somebody unreasonable, is it? Is it easy for you to submit to somebody unreasonable on a job? No, it's not. It becomes doubly uneasy uh, for you to submit to somebody that's unreasonable in your household uh, because you're not getting paid for it, you know? Right now you're not, you know? You get paid for it when you stand on that day in judgment, but right now we don't see any monetary value, so we kind of go off on them sometimes, you know? But we can't do that. We can't vent on them. we got to just do what the Word says. Therefore, when God gives husbands their responsibility, let's look in verse 25 uh, again of uh, Ephesians. Chapter 5, husband, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Verse 26, so that he may, sanctify it, he may sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word of God. So here's the cue. Here, here's, we're supposed to say, okay, God, you're sanctifying us through the power of your Holy Spirit. You've cleansed us. Now, how can we do that with our wives now? How can we do that? Where the word of God is a great cleansing agent. Oh, it's great. Oh, it's great. You know? Are we, are we really giving our wives the word of God? Number one, by example. And number two, just in, uh, in actuality, are we giving them the word of God? And that's a question that you have to answer. Are you giving your wife the word of God as a cleansing agent? Your wife said, you know, honey, I don't feel like this. I think this is wrong. You know what they did at work? They did this right here and they did this. So, you know what I did? I told them, I'm not going to do that. I told them to, the, you know, I told them, I gave them a piece of my mind. You now, what do you think about that, sweetheart? And you're supposed to give them the word of God. The word of God. Do you think they want to hear the word of God? Not in situations where they're emotional. You know, they don't want to hear it. But you need to be able to Give it to him in such a nice way, because that's what God does to us, doesn't he? In such a nice way, you know. Well, you know, I understand how you feel, you know. And, you know, I probably feel the same way too. But, you know, we, we're not we're not of the world, you know. We're in the world, we're just not of the world. So, how? so like God says that for his sake, you know, bear up under, you know, that get you in trouble now. It will get you in trouble, you know, but you got to give him the word of God because, see, later on, after she goes off on you, what, what happened is that <laughs> what happened is that later on She'll come back sweetheart. You know what? Forgive me. I was wrong. And, you know, I'm so glad I'm married to a, a great man of God like you because you give me the word of God. Even when I don't want to hear it. I'm so glad. You know, thank you, sweetheart. See, so you got you, you know, you got to wait for the for for the for to come back to you later on. It's not gonna come back right there, there. Okay, uh, but you have to do that. Then it says, verse twenty-seven: He that he may present himself, he may present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. You say, how in the world can I do that, God? Yeah. You know? Oh yes, you can. Because, you know, that word of God, it, you know, even though this outward body, you know, perishes, this inward man is it, renewed day by day with that word of God, you know? Because this outward, outward thing, our body, it, it'll get wrinkled all up, you know, if it's lived long enough, you know? It, it'll get decayed, it'll, it, it'll look pretty bad, you know? But, but it's inward man, oh, this inward man, oh, this inward man is it's being renewed day by day, you know? And so I quote over oh, me and my household, you know, that, that our youth is renewed like the eagles. So, you know, so that, you know, this outward man won't, 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 uh, decay so quick, you know. So that's the scripture. Do y'all quote that for yourselves? You need to be quoting that scripture, you know. God renew our youth like the eagles. And so when somebody say, um, how old are you? You tell them how, what? You got to be kidding. I didn't think you were that old. Man, you don't look that old, you know. It's because God is doing the work because you're quoting the word of God. Do you hear what I'm saying? You better start learning to use this word, unless y'all want to be wrinkled all up. You know? <laughs> I'm telling you, you know. Verse 28. So husbands ought to also see, see what it said. So husbands ought to also, so that means so what he just said about what Christ does for the church, we should do also to their own wives as their own bodies. Treat them the same way. Because, see, uh uh, he who loves his own wife loves himself because, see, we're one with our, our wives. So we, we take care of ourselves, you know. You do take a shower sometime, And so, you know, you can wash your wives then, you know, with the water of the word because you get clean sometimes with, with water. So you say, hey, man, you know, I can do that thing. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourish it. See, fees it. I mean, it. feeds it. The word of God and cherish it. Oh, cherish, cherish, cherish. Come on, treat it t- with tenderness, affection. And I noticed that's a, a, a lost art, you know, uh, to men, because when, when God took woman out of man, he probably seemed like he took the tenderness and affection and all that out, you know. But, <laughs> but, but see, when, when uh, I'm serious, because I've heard it so many times, you know, that, that, uh, that we as men, we're, we're not affectionate, we're not tender, you know, we're not gentle, you know, and all that stuff. Because so we weren't, we, uh, that's not the way we tend to be brought up. We're kind of hard, you know. And, and we see something, you know, uh, about to die, you know, and we say, let's, and the wife said, let's nurse it back to heaven. No, let's kill it, you know, you know, uh, because that, that's how we are. And, and so um, what we need to do, though, is realize that we have the Holy Spirit in us, right? And as a Holy Spirit, male or female, a Holy Spirit is a spirit, right? So, therefore, we have the Spirit of God in us. We have the Holy Spirit in us, the Spirit of God. So, therefore, we can be tender. We can be affectionate because he's tender. He's affectionate. Because So, now we we, we, we die to the self and let him flow through us, and now we can be gentle. And and that's how men can start, you know, when, when somebody tell them something, you watch a movie or something, you start crying, you know, and then, you know, you got your handkerchief and your Kleenex box, you know, while you're eating popcorn the movies, you know, because, you know, you are more like Jesus now. Before, we are told, man, men don't cry. Tough men don't cry. Real men don't cry, you know. But see, we're not just a mere man. See, we're in the image of God. We have the Holy Spirit in us. So that means you should be crying. You really should be, you know. You show me a man not, cry, not crying. I said, man, well, what's wrong with what's wrong with your affection? What's wrong with your tenderness, you know. Really. You wait till y'all see this movie, you know, right here. You know, I shed a tear on it in the movie, you know. I really did. Um, I didn't boo hoo, but I did share a tear, you know. <laughs> you know, I did share, share a tear, you know. Yeah. So then he says that that's how we need to do. It. We need to cherish uh, our mates the same way and nourish and feed it just as Christ does the church. And so that's where we're going to stop today. Uh, and, and we can end with Romans 11. 33 through 36, it says, Oh, the death of the riches, both for the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable are his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who uh, became his counsel or who has first given to him that he may be paid back to him again? For from him, through him, to him, are all things to him be the glory forever. Amen. You know, God is, is so, I mean, God, it took, it, took, it had to take God to, you know, put two people together, like a man and a woman, you know, and, 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 and expect for them to, to operate in peace, you know. Wouldn't it? Because we're so different, aren't we? That's why he said you can't do it outside of him. You got to have the Holy Spirit, okay? You got to have the Holy Spirit working in you and through you, okay? Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you so much for the Word of God, Lord. It's just, it's just, it's fun, you know, talking about the Word, reading the Word, Lord, meditating on your Word. And we understand, Lord, it's not, a, not that easy to do it. It's not burdensome, though, because you said in your Word it's not burdensome, but it's not an easy thing to do. We need you, Lord. Help us as men, Lord. Help us as men. Single men in here, Lord. Help the single men, Lord, to get it right before they get married, Lord. Help them, O God, to learn how to fireproof relationships, Lord, based on your word. Help us as married men, Lord, that even though we were not shown good examples sometimes by our parents, sometimes we were... Uh, some people had great examples before, before them. Others, like me, that we didn't, I ha- didn't have good examples, Lord. Help us, O oh God, to draw from Your experiences, Your Word, Your Holy Spirit, to create an environment for women—not just our mates, but women in our lives, Lord that they will want to be in our presence. They will want to say, I want to be a Christian. I want to be more like Christ because I see an example of the mystery of Christ in the church when I see this couple. Because I don't just see them, I have been in their house. I've heard them uh, and Behind closed doors, I know they walk the walk. They don't just talk the talk. Help us, Lord, as men. Be able to do that behind closed doors. To create an environment so our women will be nourished. They will be fed the word of God. They will be cherished. They will feel, Father, affection. They will feel the affection coming from us. They will feel the tenderness. They will feel the gentleness, Lord. Help us as men, Lord, as husbands, to do that, Lord. Because it's rest on us as men to create that environment. Just like you create an environment. So we we'll want to come to you, Lord. We'll want to worship you. We we'll want to uh, come to church, Lord. We'll want to, Lord, sing praises to you, Lord. Because you are so good. Help our wives to want to be submissive, Father. Want to just follow us. Because they'll say, oh, you're so gentle, kind, affectionate, understanding. Father, we're not there. But we're going to press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling. Let it be. Father, if there anybody here that's not saved, we ask you, Lord, to let them know that you're here for them, Lord. You're here for them. Anybody here that's not saved today, would you raise your hand and put it back down? We want, to, we want to give you the opportunity to come into the fold because you can do nothing apart from Jesus Christ. If anyone here is not saved, just raise your hand and put it back down, and we will pray, pray for you. If there's anyone here that you have not been living a life that you know you should live, you gave your life to Jesus Christ, but he really doesn't have your life. You have your life. You do what you want to do most of the time. And you say, Oh, today, I want to rededicate my life to Jesus Christ. I don't want my way, it's His way. If that's you today, would you just raise your hand, put it back down? We'd like to pray with you. Anybody here in that situation? If there's anyone here that had a prayer team come up that you'll say, yeah, I understand the message. I understand what God's saying. I need prayer. I need strength. So when I leave these walls, when I leave these doors here, that I have more strength to do what, you've, what the Word says. Because I'm only telling you what the Word says. let stand. The prayer team is here for you to pray with you about anything, whether it be healing for your body, whether you're standing in for somebody else, whether it be finances, whatever. God is here, and he will move through his servants. Feel free to uh, come up anytime time and uh, get also get prayer for sickness, get prayer for a loved one, uh, whatever is going on in your life, or family, or friends, is a good time to come up. Uh, they'll pray for salvation. They'll pray for anything. They just like to pray. I'm just going to dismiss you with a blessing. Lord bless you and keep you, and Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Lord lift up His countenance on you and give you peace. So go in the peace of Jesus Christ. Everyone said, "Amen."